Isaiah chapter 36. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land. They defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behaviour before me was like menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they had shed on the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered among the, among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said about them, these are the people of Yahweh, yet they had to leave their land, well, his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says, it is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honour the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them, the nations will know that I am Yahweh. The declaration of the Lord God when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and will bring, to you, uh, bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. The second reading tonight is from the book of Acts, chapter 2. Uh, we're beginning at verse 1, and that's on page 1003 of the Black Bibles. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear, our own, hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? But some sneered and said, They're full of new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning, 
On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, Robin Penny. It'd be great if you can keep Acts chapter 2 open there. We're just in our second week of a long series in Acts. Um, just so you know, I, I've been uh, complaining a little bit recently that the, the lights are never quite up high enough, so I can never see people's eyes. Um, and then I went to the optometrist. So please, uh, I hope you can get used to this as quickly as I can. Probably much more quickly than I can, but that's all right. Uh, friends, I wonder if you can think back over the last couple of weeks. Um, what's been the best day in the last couple of weeks? I was on holidays. The morning I spent down at the beach, the evening I watched the Socceroos win the Asian Cup. It was a good day. It was a good day. Yes. Um, what about, harder question, I think, best day of your life? It's meant to be, like, for me, it was meant to be my wedding day. I don't think it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> my wife's not here. That's all right. Uh, here's an easy one, though. I've got an easy one for you. Best day in all of history. That's easy, isn't it? It's the, it's the day we just read about. Pentecost. That's the greatest day in history, where God's spirit comes and dwells with people. God's empowering presence comes to our world. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, are you sure? Wasn't it when Jesus died or when he rose again? Friends, those days only happened to enable this day, this great day that changed history more than any other day, like, like the hinge that divides all of history, the day that ought to change each of our lives. It's a great day. We're going to be spending the next two weeks thinking about this day. This week we'll think about the Spirit, uh, particularly, and the next, uh, next week we'll think about uh, Jesus, the Son, and his involvement in this day. It's a great day. But perhaps the first thing you might notice about this day is it's a weird day, isn't it? Imagine being there, and you've kind of got uh, this kind of tornado sound happening, and then this fire kind of flying around, and a little tongues on people's heads and then these weird tongues and you're thinking, I know why those guys thought they were drunk. This is weird. What's going on? Perhaps you're sitting here tonight thinking, oh yeah, what's going on? I don't understand. What's going on? But Peter stands up to explain what's going on. And he says, you guys know the prophet Joel. He spoke a couple of hundred years ago. If you think about what he said, it should make sense. You should, you should understand what's happening here. See what's happening in verse 17? Peter says, this is what Joel said, it will be in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. That's what's going on. You see, what you're seeing is, uh, uh, then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's what's happening. The spirits come. And what's the significance of that? It's the day of salvation. Verse 21, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He puts it a bit more dramatically, actually, in verse 17. Did you see that? And it will be in the last days. The last, it's the last days, he says. 
don't know if you've noticed in these Holman Bibles we've got here that anything in bold text is, is a quote from the Old Testament. But did you notice in verse 17 that there's some bit is not in bold? Peter's actually added that in, in the last days, to make his point. This is the last days when the Spirit comes. The last days have begun. For Peter, this is history. It goes like this. Old Testament, Pentecost, the last days. It's a very important day. Why? Why is this day the hinge that all history kind of swings on? Why is this day significant for you and I sitting here today? Well, the short answer is this. Because the Spirit is God's empowering presence with us. That's the sentence I want you to grab hold of today. The Spirit is God's empowering presence with us. I'm just going to break that little, uh, that little line up a bit and w- work through it. Firstly, he's God's presence with us. You see, in the Old Testament, God was kind of, he was present with his people, wasn't he? In a way. He was kind of present symbolically in different ways. So he was present, he, he showed himself as being present with a fire, like with, with Moses at, at the burning bush and then at Mount Sinai. And then he was, his presence was seen in the temple. It's like God's house with us. And when the temple was finished being built, you'll remember that a great cloud of God's glory, his presence, filled the house, filled the temple. And when God was present with his people, they were blessed. It was good. But they had to be careful with his presence. You couldn't kind of take it for granted. That's why, you know, it's, it's like he's a fire. You've got to be careful with fire, right? So there was one day, these two brothers, Nadab and Abihu, came in to the temple, or the tabernacle, towards God's presence, but they came the wrong way, and fire came out and destroyed them. Whoa. You've got to be careful with God's presence. The presence of God either blesses or destroys, depending upon whether you are loving and following God. It's kind of like the police. I'm thankful for police presence. Criminals are not. But before God, Israel were criminals. As the Old Testament wears on, you know, they can't love him and follow him. And so rather than destroy them because of his presence, God sends them out of his presence, into exile, away from him. He removes his presence from them for their own sake. But Israel Israel kind of languishes without him present. Uh, they, they, they long for him to come back and be present and bless them. The prophets are yearning for it. And then you, just, the, just before Jesus comes, that they're yearning for this. And that's why Pentecost is such a great day. Because God is once again present. Did you pick up the kind of the symbols from chapter 2, verses 1, 1 to 3 about his presence? Look at that with me. Chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, which is where Jesus just went to. And it filled the whole house, just like the cloud of God's glory filled the temple, the house that they were staying, and tongues like flames of fire. Here again, this is these symbols of God's presence. He's present again, and not just in a temple. God's kind of off the chain. He's loose in his world. Today, this is, this is the day of the Spirit. 
God's here amongst us by his spirit. And I don't mean that there's some kind of force or vibe kind of happening like a gas in this room. The spirit is God's personal presence. This is what's grabbed me this week. The spirit is a person who has a character. You want to know what he's like? Look at Jesus. The spirit of Jesus is amongst us and with us. And he's not just kind of generally here. He's in each of us who believe in him. So look with me at verse 3 as we read on. Tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them, not just generally. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you grab that? They were filled with the Holy Spirit just like the temple was. This is incredible. The God of all creation who, who, who lived in, a, in this kind of one splendid building, the temple, is now in each of those who believe in him. And they're, they're ordinary people that we're reading about here, like a fisherman, tax collectors, just people who believe in Jesus. People like you and people like me. The Spirit resides in all those who repent and believe in Jesus. The spirit that broke out and destroyed Nadab and Abihu is the spirit that's in each of us. God's holy spirit. Now, I think that's weighty. How is it possible that the spirit of God who who broke out and destroyed these, these sinful men could actually reside in each one of us? How is that possible? Without destroying us. Well, thanks be to God, it's because his judgment, his wrath came down upon Jesus and destroyed him. It's because our sin was put on Jesus' shoulders and it was destroyed along with him at the cross so that I could be swept clean to be a suitable dwelling for God. What a privilege to have the living God with us. That is why Pentecost is so good. It is the day of salvation for all who believe. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Do you want a piece of this? Do you know this? This forgiveness, this salvation? It's there for all. Call on the Lord Jesus. Turn away from living life your own way and trust in Jesus. And you will know God's presence. By his spirit. It's an incredible privilege. I want to say to to you, brothers and sisters, the world might not think much of you. Some of you are really well respected out there in the world. Some of you perhaps aren't. You haven't got great prospects according to this world. It seems like it's all gone wrong. You have the spirit of the living God in you. Without wanting to sound patronizing, You are a very special person. But we must go on. Because this presence of God in us is not just about location. Do you know when you go to those events and the MC sort of stands up and says, uh, we must acknowledge the presence uh, of the CEO of X, Y, and Z and the governor of the thingamabob. And you're all like, "Uh," and they don't do anything. You don't get to meet them or anything, but they're present, hooray. 
Well, that's not like God, his presence with us. He's not like some kind of can of God that's kind of in you, and that's like, great, great. When God is present with us, we know him personally. If you're not a Christian here, this might sound totally wacky to you, thinking these guys are weird. God, spirit, no God. What does this mean? Well, I'll be honest with you. I can't completely explain it. But I can tell you what happens. When we hear of our God, our Lord Jesus, when we read of him, we find ourselves not um, just reading information, but we're reading about our friend, about our God, about someone we know. Uh, It's almost as if he's speaking to us because we've become his friends, as Brad said, a close personal friend. You see, when the Spirit comes on these apostles here in this passage, why do they then suddenly stand up and start proclaiming the magnificent acts of God? Why weren't they doing that yesterday? Well, partly it's God's empowerment of them, but partly also it's all of a sudden the things of Jesus are not just things he did to save them. They now know Jesus. They know him close. They've been drawn in close to God's heart. The guy who wrote this act is a guy called Luke. He had a mate named Paul, and Paul described it like we get adopted. So he wrote this. He writes, You received the spirit of adoption, and because you've got that spirit, you cry out, Daddy, Father. That's the spirit testifying with our own spirits that we are God's children. When we receive the spirit, we come into this kind of um, parent-child kind of relationship with the God of all creation as he is with us. This is why Pentecost is the best day ever. Because God's presence is for us and in us to save us. Well, that's the first half of the sentence, God's presence. But at Pentecost, we receive God's empowering presence. So look with me uh, back at chapter 1 and verse 8, where Jesus gives his explanation of what's going on this day. Jesus says to his apostles, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Spirit empowers us for witness. And this happens time after time in Acts where people are filled with the Spirit and they speak. I wonder, have you ever experienced that? We start speaking about Jesus and you find you have a boldness or a clarity that you kind of didn't realize you had. I was talking to a girl called Sally yesterday, and she told me that this was exactly her experience uh, at Christmas with her family. Um, The Spirit empowered her to speak. That's exactly what's actually happening here at Pentecost as well. Do do you think that the language thing is a bit weird, though? You see, if I was Jesus and I was trying to show that I was giving power to my followers... I'd get them to fly. You know what I mean? Or maybe invisibility or something. Maybe just hovering a bit. Why languages? Come on. 
Well, of course, there's significance to this. Um, You might be familiar with the story in Genesis 11 of the Tower of Babel. This is where, where, where mankind's sin and rejection of God reaches its kind of climax, where they gather together to oppose God. And in punishment, he, he changes their languages, so they can't work together. And so right throughout uh, history, uh, different languages have kind of been a reminder that we are in an era of punishment, curse. But then comes Pentecost. And it all changes. The Babel thing is undone. And you think, oh, we've moved on from this era of curse and punishment to the era of forgiveness and salvation. And then God empowers his, his apostles to go out and share that news so that the world might not be kind of gathered together in opposition to God, but they might be gathered together to God and have his presence with them. God by his spirit, empowers people for witness. But of course, witness is not just about speaking, is it? Witness is about living Jesus. It's about following him. I want to I show you how Pentecost changes that from the Old Testament as well. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, life was totally uh, prescribed and shaped by the law, the first five books of the Bible. So your hair's a bit long, perhaps, and you think, I'm going to go and get my hair cut. Should I get an undercut? Should I get a short back and sides? What am I going to get? Well, the law tells you what kind of haircut to get. It tells you everything. Now, the, 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 uh, the Israelites loved the law. They celebrated their receiving the law with this festival called Pentecost. The problem was that you see in all the Old Testament, great law, they couldn't keep it. Great law, broken people. You kind of got the same thing at work, perhaps. You've got this you know, flawless set of policies and procedures somewhere in a folder, somewhere. But people are lazy, aren't they? They like to cut corners. Or they just don't like the policy. It is the problem with our world, isn't it? A problem with the hearts. And again, that's why Pentecost is so fantastic. Because it's a change of hearts. Where God gives us his spirit. We have this new principle for life. No longer law. That's fulfilled with the spirit. So back in Ezekiel, that, that reading that Rob read to us. This is what God says. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and your idols. It's forgiveness. And then I will give you a new heart. I put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone, that unfeeling thing, and give you a heart of flesh. I'll place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You see, by the Spirit, we actually know God and actually love Him. As, as Luke's mate Paul says, He pours His love into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. So that our lives are now shaped and driven by the Spirit, not the law. The law helps us to know how to live, but it doesn't drive us. God's Spirit does. The Spirit empowers us for witness. 
to live for Jesus. Recently, um, a couple of weeks ago, I, God sort of convicted me of my powerlessness. He convicted me, I should have realized this a long time ago, but convicted me that, you know, I can stand up here and I can talk, but I can't change any of you. I'm powerless. I can't change, I can't make myself more like Jesus, even though he calls me to be more like him. I can't do it. I'm powerless. Friends, we've got to realize that as we head into 2015, this year of evangelism, you can tell people about Jesus, you can change no one. We are powerless. So I was awake a few weeks ago in the morning and I was kind of meditating on this and and praying through it. And then I started reading Acts and I got to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I get the sense that a lot of us are kind of pessimistic about people coming to know Jesus. You know, it's so hard. People are so beyond Christian things. Why should I even talk about him? You know, uh, the, and you know, changing and becoming more like Jesus is just so hard. But friends, were those things ever up to you? Did you ever have the power to do these things? Never. Does the spirit? Has the spirit stopped working? Is he broken? Has he changed? No, friends, we are still in the last days. The Spirit is still sweeping into people's lives, forgiving them of their sin, coming into their lives, bringing God to their lives, and bringing people into God's family, setting them right, helping them to begin to live rightly and to begin to witness to Jesus. And Joel calls that salvation. Today is the day of salvation. The Spirit has been let loose in this world and in believers in you and I that's why we're hopeful right because the day of Pentecost we can be hopeful for ourselves and for our world and for our church because of this great day it's a great day I just want to close with two thoughts about this day Uh, the first is this if you're here you're not a Christian you're probably thinking these guys are fruit loops this is weird Can I say, I understand, fair enough. But can I ask you this? Do you think there's something wrong with this world? Is there something wrong with our world and perhaps with you in our world? Can I encourage you, go with your hunch? The Lord Jesus says we need to be saved from this world. Flick with me just to the end of chapter 2, where Peter's finished his kind of, his speech, his explanation. When they heard this, all the people standing around, they came under deep conviction and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? Repent, Peter said to them. That is, turn around and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call, And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. Friends, we're in a corrupt generation. We need to be saved out of it into God's kingdom by his spirit. This day of Pentecost changed the world forever. 
perhaps this day, February the 8th, might be the day your world changes forever. Call out to the Lord Jesus. But secondly, I want to say a word to the brothers and sisters here, some of whom might be thinking, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) I'm kind of missing out here, I think. Because I've never experienced anything quite like this Acts chapter 2 thing. Let me say, this is an unrepeatable event. This is a one-off for all of history. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, you have that same spirit at work in you. If you're calling out to the Father as Father and you're living with Jesus as Lord, that same spirit is at work in you. And yet, he does give us fresh fillings from time to time, doesn't he? Fresh senses of his closeness, his love, fresh empowering. At least he does in acts. I once heard it put like this. Um, It's like a father walking down the street with his son and just randomly the father picks him up and says, I love you, my boy. Puts him back down. The spirit is always with us. God is with us. Yet sometimes he kind of grabs us and gives us that special sense of his closeness and his love. And some of you are sitting here thinking, yeah, I want that. I want that thing. Let me say, great, that's good. That's a good desire. Make sure you don't just want some feelings. You actually want God. But if you want him, that's a great desire. So let me say this. God gives us his spirit to equip us. He doesn't just give us our spirit for some warm, fuzzy feelings, but to equip us. So in chapter 4, the, 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 uh, the Christians are all gathered together and they're, they're kind of scared because they're being persecuted and they pray for boldness to keep speaking. Please equip us, God, so that we might keep speaking. What does he do? Fills them with his spirit. See, I think that analogy I shared a second ago isn't quite right. and Maybe it's more like this. The the father and son are walking down the street and the father sees an apple tree growing over the fence. And he says, son, why don't you pick two apples for you and me? And the son goes down and can't quite reach. So the father picks him up in his arms, loving arms, his strong arms, and holds him high so he might grab those apples and they might enjoy them together. God gives his spirit to equip us for his works of witnessing to Jesus, life and words. Brothers and sisters, do you want to know God closely by his spirit? Live for Jesus. Take risks. Live radically for him. Speak. Open your mouth. And see if he doesn't equip you. Because, friends, the day of Pentecost has come. The greatest of days. God's empowering presence has been set loose and he's taken up residence in each of us who trust in him. May he equip us this year that we might know his presence and then respond like the apostles did, proclaiming the magnificent acts of our great God. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your grace. Father, we don't deserve to have you, the great creator God, come anywhere near us. And yet your desire was for us. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus who made it possible.
for you to draw close to sinners like us. Father, thank you so much for drawing us into your family and being present with us. Father, we do pray that you would help us this year to step out in faith, to trust, to live for Jesus radically and to speak for him. Lord, open our lips that we might declare your praise. Father, we do pray that you would empower us this year, that we might live to your glory and proclaim your magnificent acts to all people. Amen.